Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. Yet today, we arrive in Mark chapter 4 at one of our favorite stories about Jesus. It's a story about a storm. We all go through storms, I do, and you do. But the way Jesus deals with storms seems to be very different from the way the disciples want to deal with it. So what can we learn from Jesus in the storm and how does he want to change your storm's outcomes? Today we're kind of entering a, a different section of Mark's story. Now we're not crossing into a new chapter, but there is a new section that starts happening here. Something really changes. I kind of showed you a little bit about this two weeks ago when we talked about it. Let's look at my tension graph as the tension builds in Galilee. Um, we saw in Mark 1, Mark introduces everyone and establishes Jesus' exousia, his authority that's way beyond a title, right? Uh, he has real authority, but not a lot of tension there. In Mark 2, uh, you see the first conflicts between Jesus and the people. They start questioning why you're doing this. The tension kind of goes up. In Mark chapter 3, all of a sudden the Pharisees come along and they get angry. You know, they get mad and the tension really escalates. In fact, it's in Mark 3 where you see the first beginnings of the plot to kill Jesus. So the tension really goes up. In Mark 4, it's mostly parables until the section we get to today, and all of a sudden the tension skyrockets. And then in Mark 5, you'll see uh, that he does a sequence of big miracles, and it's just this ever-increasing tension going on. And today it's going to be the big, big, big tension, big tension, big tension. Like, let me show you one indicator of how everything changes starting here in chapter 4 in this section. I want to show you a graph of the word fear. So far, we have not seen the word fear in Mark. It does not appear in 1, 2, 3, or 4 up to this point, the part we're in today. And all of a sudden, you see the word fear appear three times close together. When you couple that with the word afraid, then you see that now we got a cluster really going on here. There's something that really all of a sudden happens here at the end of Mark 4. In fact, if we zoom out to the whole book, you'll see uh, that the word afraid appears again a few more times, scattered here and there. But there's this real cluster right here in this section, the end of chapter 4 and all through chapter 5, where now there's fear. Now people are suddenly afraid. We haven't seen that before in this story, and now... Uh, all of a sudden, we are beginning to see it. So, this story is the first of several fear stories. And this story, the one we're going to be looking at today, is a story that you know. Right? This is one of our favorite stories in Scripture. It's a story about a storm. You guys know this story. You guys know how this goes. I may not need to preach this sermon because you're very familiar with this story, but I want us to look closely today and see what happens when people get scared, get afraid, when people have fear, and what happens with Jesus. We all know about storms. Storms uh, are
are all around us, right? It was just this week we had the devastating hurricane Idalia that came through Florida and uh, caused so much devastation just this week. And we saw power outages. They're still trying to recover. It's going to take months, maybe years to recover uh, from all of the damage that that hurricane caused. Who here has been through a hurricane before? Yeah, okay, a lot of us have. Who here has been through a hurricane in coastal Florida? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Who here was in Hurricane Hugo in South Carolina? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I was there too. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing that we all uh, know. And I don't need to tell you, but it's the first blank on the page. This, storms happen, right? Storms happen. I mean, you can get out your calendar and you can cross out all the storms. They're still going to happen, right? You can, you can look to the weather forecast and look into the monthly forecast and see what's coming. But it doesn't matter what it says. Storms will happen. Storms just happen in this life. They just happen in this world. They come and they go. And this is the story of a bad storm. In Mark 4, let's pick up the story in verse 35. On that day, what day was it? That day, what day was it? It was that day. That's right. Y'all are advanced students. It was that day. It was parable day. We, we spent several weeks in that day in the earlier part of Mark chapter 4. Jesus is teaching and teaching and teaching, and he's getting with the disciples, and he's unpacking the parables so that they understand. And apparently, it's a day kind of dedicated more to teaching, specifically teaching through parables, than to healing and casting out. So it's teaching day. It's that day, teaching day. So it's on that day when Jesus has been given his parables, evening comes, and he says to them, let us go across to the other side. So it's teaching day, it's preaching day, and as it starts getting late in the evening, late in the afternoon, as it begins to kind of get dark, Jesus is like, hey, there's one more lesson. There's one more thing I want you to see. And this is something I don't want to just tell you. This is something I don't want to just unpack for you. There's one more lesson, and you're going to have to experience it. You see, I really believe this storm was on purpose. I really believe this storm was intentional by God for the disciples. Let's read on and let's see why. It says, And leaving the crowd, they took him, Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. So in other words, another translation says other boats followed along. So they left the crowd. Some people got in other boats, and they followed Jesus going across the Sea of Galilee. And a great windstorm. Everybody say great windstorm. Great windstorm. Good. Great windstorm uh, arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So this is a great Windstorm. The word here for great is the word mega. Yeah, so this is like the forecaster's dream, right? It's mega storm. 
Everybody say that with me. Megastorm. Yeah, isn't that fun to say? It's a megastorm. Literally, that's what Mark says. He says, a megastorm arose, a bigger storm than ever, a large, large, large storm. Now, I just want you to, I want to make sure we're clear on this. Galilee is not exactly known for its storms. It's kind of a dryish, arid place in the first place. And there's, there's really not a lot of, I mean, there's, there's not even a lot of rain that happens there at all. There's a rainy season, um, but then there's not a lot of rain, and there's never, almost never storms. Some people grow up and spend most of their lives or all their lives on the Sea of Galilee, near the Sea of Galilee, and never see a storm there. That's because Galilee is just, really, it's just a very, very small lake. We're so Galilee-centric here in Mark, and we talk about it all the time because Jesus is there in Capernaum. Uh, he's there all, all around uh, that area. And so we're very Galilee-focused, but really, it's just a small lake. It's, get this, it's seven miles across and only 13 miles long. It's really just a lake. And here's the crazy thing. It's 700 feet below sea level. Yeah, so uh, Mediterranean Sea's over here, and I know we were just a couple of months ago, we were in this little town called Tiberias, and um, we had been visiting Mount Arbel, which is right here just to the south of this little uh, intersection. So we were on top of Mount Arbel, big tall peak. We drove down the mountain to Tiberias, and then once we got to Tiberias, we turned left and we started driving down the hill toward the Sea of Galilee, and it was amazing. We were driving down the hill. It's a pretty steep, snaky hill that you're driving down, and all of a sudden, there's this sign on the side of the road as you are driving, and it says, Sea Level. And it's the weirdest thing because you are at sea level way up the hill in this little town of Tiberias looking way down 700 feet down at the Sea of Galilee. It's well below sea level. And so uh, Sea of Galilee is below sea level and it's just a small, small, small thing. So you don't really get the chance for big waves because it's just small. It's, just, it's only about 43 feet deep at its deepest point. So, in fact, you zoom out and you look at the Mediterranean Sea right next to it, and then you can barely see the Sea of Galilee there. It's really just a small, small little body of water. So, you know, I remember in 1991, 1990, I remember hearing somebody talking about the fact that they couldn't believe this storm story in Mark because the Sea of Galilee doesn't get storms it can't have waves that big it's just too shallow too small and there's just no ever no storms there this was in about 1990 1991 and then in 1992 there was a storm on the sea of galilee and i've got video footage from that 1992 storm and they said that the waves were between 10 and 12 feet during this storm on the Sea of Galilee in 1992. So we can see that storms don't happen often there, but they happen. You, you got me? They, they don't happen often, but they happen. Storms happen. And they call it, you know what they call it? They call it a storm. Think about it. They don't call it a calm. They don't call it, a, you know, a chill. They call it a storm. Storms are loud. Storms are violent. Storms are fearsome. Storms are chaotic, right? Storms are the bringers of chaos into life. 
I remember one time in Orlando, we had a hurricane that came right over where we lived, right over where we lived. And why, why is it that, at least in Orlando, the hurricanes come over in the middle of the night? Why, why is that? We knew it was coming. We knew the storm was going to be there. And so we were, you know, thinking we were prepared. But in the middle of the night, as the storm is rushing over now, Orlando's in the middle of the state. And the storm was coming over. And uh, I don't remember the name of the storm, um, but it was coming over. And my uh, kids were little bitty, tiny, tinies, you know. And uh, the storm was coming over, and we could hear the transformers exploding all around and we could hear the trees falling and crashing the wind was howling and we were terrified man we my wife and my kids and I we hopped in the the bathtub and pulled a mattress over our heads and we thought it was about to be over for us it was terrifying and that's what 60 miles inland from where it was coming across I think on the gulf side so this, storms are, anybody been through that kind of storm? Yeah, storms are chaotic, they're terrifying, they're awful. And this is what was going on. The storm was so bad that the boat was going under. The waves were crashing and the disciples were panicking. Of course they were panicking because that's what you do in a storm. When you're in the storm, you want to jump in the bathtub and pull the mattress over your head. Right When you're in the storm, you're scared for your life. But not Jesus. Look at verse 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern of the on the cushion. Jesus was sleeping through the storm. And not like sleeping in your house through the storm, where you're still staying dry, you just hear it, it's really loud. But he's on the boat, getting wet, rocking around being knocked around the boat is filling with water going under he's got to be soaked but he's sleeping he's resting through the storm jesus isn't all tensed and clenched he is at rest the storm didn't seem to bother him at all because he's full of peace right while everyone else is panicking so how do you think the disciples reacted during the storm? How, how do you think they responded? You know, they turn and look at Jesus. He's sleeping while they're trying to bail water out of the boat or just trying to hold on for dear life. And they see Jesus sleeping. What do they do? They, they're like, oh, shh, 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 Jesus, Jesus is sleeping. <laughs> look how cute he is. <laughs> Let's just let him sleep through the whole thing, right? If he, I mean, if you can sleep, let him sleep. Is that how they responded? Is that how you would respond? Heck no, of course not. So they turned to Jesus in Mark 4, 38, and it says, they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we're perishing? Maybe you've been through a storm in your life. I'm not talking about a you know, little bitty wind blowing. I'm not talking about something, you know, dumb or bad that happens. This, this morning, this morning, before I even got here, I got up super early, and sorry, Larry, but I reworked a bunch of my slides for this morning, and uh, we had to re-coordinate everything. I mean, it was early. And then um, I came downstairs, and uh, I decided we, I'm, I'm riding the motorcycle today to, to church, and the bike's parked downstairs where it's always parked. So I get down there, and I'm loading the stuff I need in the saddlebags, and uh, 
I do something to it, and I turn away from the bike, and just then the kickstand curls under, and the bike comes toppling over right on top of me. I turn and try to catch it, but you don't catch a 700-pound bike when it's in the process of falling. And I think I hurt my back. I did that thing to my back, you know, where you, you walk around the rest of the day. I'm kind of feeling that. Does anybody know that? Okay. All right, so I got the, I got the bike up finally. It took a while. Uh, I'm out of sweat a little bit. Um, but I got the bike up and, you know, got the kickstand and checked it and make sure it's, I, it just wasn't locked in or something and got here. And then we had a technology failure. This is not my iPad. My iPad would not come on this morning for some reason. And so um, we had to kind of scramble and I'm borrowing someone else's iPad to be able to see my notes. You know, none of that's storm. That's just stupid. Right? None of that is storm. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of you guys have been through a real storm in your life. He won't stop yelling. Or she passed away. Right? Or I had to declare bankruptcy. It was so bad. Some of you guys have, have gone through some things that were so horrifying, so terrifying, that it has scarred you for years, maybe decades. And when the storm comes, when the storm really hits, dude, it's horrifying, it's terrifying, it's chaotic. You'll lose sleep at night. You don't know what to do next. You've tried everything and nothing seems to work and it's all coming, crashing down. The chaos takes over. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about that level of storm. And for some of us, for some of us, we've been through the storm and we've prayed and it seems like Jesus doesn't answer. Seems like Jesus is otherwise occupied. And haven't you at one time or another prayed that prayer, the disciples' prayer in Mark 38? Teacher, do you not care? Hasn't it felt like at some point that maybe Jesus doesn't even know? I thought you cared about me. Why are you letting me go through this? I thought you loved me. I, why are you? I've, I've prayed and I've prayed. I'm doing the right thing. I thought I was your child. I thought you cared about me. I thought you were going to be there for me, Jesus. Here's my question for you. Next blank on your page. Is Jesus sleeping? through my storm Jesus doesn't get all tensed and clenched about the storm that he is in the middle of he's sleeping through it right now but he's in the boat with the disciples why is he sleeping how in the world can he be sleeping this almost makes no sense at all or does it look at this picture of Mount Everest real quick Mount Everest is 20, let's see, what is it, 29,029 feet tall. It's the tallest mountain on the planet. It's such a fearsome mountain that very, very few humans have ever summited Mount Everest. There's an area of Mount Everest called the Death Zone. Any mountain that's got a zone called death zone is a mountain I'm not getting on. They have a, an area called the death zone, and it's the place where many, 
many climbers have fallen and their bodies remain there today you don't you don't you don't remove bodies from mount everest you can't there's it's so difficult and so high you just cannot do that so when you climb mount everest you climb past the bodies of those that didn't make it this is a crazy mountain now anybody here ever been on mount everest okay probably not anybody here ever uh, been on top of brass town bald yeah, okay, Brasstown Bald, highest peak in the state of Georgia. It's just over 4,000 feet. Okay, so 4,000 compared to 29,000, nothing, right? I mean, nothing. Brasstown Bald is nothing compared to the awesome, massive, terrifying Mount Everest. From our perspective, Mount Everest is a killer. From our perspective, Mount Everest is a monster of a mountain. But what is Mount Everest from God's perspective? Did you know that if you could shrink the earth down to the size of a bowling ball, that the earth would be smoother than the most expensive bowling ball you can buy? Mount Everest just disappears at bowling ball perspective. And see, here's the thing. Here's why Jesus is able to sleep in the back of the boat. It's the next blank on your page. Jesus sees the storm with God's perspective. Jesus sees the storm with God's perspective. That's why Jesus, later in Mark, will say to the disciples this. In Mark eleven twenty two. he says, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Jesus has a different perspective on the biggest things before us, right? In Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, everything is possible with God. Everything, even your worst storm, you getting through it is possible with God. And in the midst of this storm, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat because he completely trusted his father he knew that God had sent him to this world on mission for us. And because he was doing what God wanted him to do, God was not going to let him drown in a storm. And he had so much confidence that God wasn't going to let him drown that he was able to sleep in the back of the boat through a storm that I believe Jesus full well knew was coming. Do you have that kind of peace in your life through the storms? You know, I'd like to think that I do. I'd like to think that I can just rest in him, trust in him, have his peace that passes all understanding. But sometimes those waves crash loudly. Sometimes they knock me down pretty hard. And I need the peace. I need that peace that passes all understanding. Draws me back to one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 3. Five and six, you know this one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Right? So I just want to trust him. I just want to know him. I just want to see him at work and know that his plan is always better than my plan. I just want to know that whatever he's got for me is better than whatever I got for myself. I, I think I got pretty good plans for myself. You know, I think I know what I'm going to do, but I know that he knows better. Amen? So the disciples go back. Don't you care? Don't you care, Jesus? And in verse 39, it says, He awoke 
and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. He actually said, be muzzled. I'm putting a muzzle on you. I'm shutting you up. Be still. And the wind ceased and there was, look at this, great calm. There's that word again. It's the same word Mark used before when he said great windstorm. The word for great was what? Mega. And he uses that word again right here. Now all of a sudden there's mega calm. As loud and terrifying and chaotic as the storm was, now there is an equal measure of calm. Now Jesus brings an equal measure of peace, mega peace in the storm. And Jesus says to them in verse 40, he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I've been talking to you all day. I've been unpacking the truth of the kingdom. I've been telling you about how good God is. And I've showed you time and time and time again. I've been preaching it and I've been proving it. It's been preaching, 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 and then casting out of demons. It's been preaching, preaching, pre preaching, and then healing the sick. I've showed you over and over again and you still have no faith that's why you're here, disciple. That's why you're in the storm, because you've heard lesson after lesson after lesson. But today, the lesson you need to hear is in the storm. The lesson that Jesus wants to communicate is in the middle of the storm. Sometimes we have to go through the storms to see who he really is. Huh? Do you still have no faith? Maybe it's time for you to have some faith. Maybe it's time for me to have some faith because here's the reality. This will not be the last storm. Am I right? Storms come and storms go. In fact, we'll just skip down a few more chapters in a few months, I guess, and we'll get to Mark chapter 6 and we'll see another storm on the same water. There's plenty of other storms. You've had storms in your life, and you will have storms in your life. And storms might destroy you because God created this world for his glory, for his peace, so that he could be clearly seen. His order could be clearly felt. But we ruined it all. We broke it all when we rebelled against him, when we committed treason against the high king. And what that did was separate us from God and bring chaos into this world, bring storms into this life. That's what that does. And God will judge us for ruining his beautiful world. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus came to go to the cross, and on that cross, he paid the price for our Treason. He paid the price for our crimes against him. He paid the price for our rebellion, and he justifies us before God. Because of Jesus' blood, we are declared innocent of all of our guilt. And now Jesus steps into the chaos of your life. He gets into the boat with you, and he speaks to the storms, and he brings you peace. Right? John 14, 27, Jesus says, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. 
So let not your hearts be troubled. No matter how bad the storm is, it's my peace, my peace, my sleeping in the back of a crazy, wet, rocking, almost sinking boat kind of peace. That peace I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. So they had seen the mega storm, and Jesus spoke to bring mega calm, mega peace. And look what happens next in verse 41. They, the disciples, were filled with great fear. There's that word again. They were filled with what? Mega fear. Mark doesn't tell us they had mega fear in the middle of the storm. They panicked. They were worried. They were scared. They might have been terrified. But he didn't use the word mega. It's mega storm mega calm and now mega fear they were filled with mega fear and they said to one another what's going on here who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him all of a sudden their greatest fear comes on them and their greatest fear is not the storm their greatest fear is the the beginning of of the realization that, may, that they might just be in the boat with the God of the storm. That they might just be in the boat with somebody more powerful than even the scariest storm. Right? Of course they're fearful because that's the appropriate response when being confronted with a holy God. And these guys were maybe just now starting to realize what had happened because these were good Jewish boys. Am I right? They were good Jewish boys and they knew their Bible. They knew their what we call the Old Testament. And they were very familiar with the concept of stopping the storm. Right? Psalm 65, speaking about God. God says you quieted the raging oceans with their pounding waves and silenced the shouting of the nations. Those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. From where the sun rises to where it sets, you inspire shouts of joy. Psalm 89 says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. Psalm 93 says this, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your royal laws cannot be changed. You reign, O Lord. Your reign, O Lord, is holy forever and ever. And Psalm 107 says that he calmed the storm to a whisper, and he stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things that he has done for them. Already, we saw earlier in Mark chapter 4, people around them are starting to ask the question, could he be, could he be the Messiah? And now the disciples are going, maybe we have proof. Maybe we actually have proof that Jesus could, in fact, be, next blank on your page, the God of the storm. Maybe he could be the God of the storm. And today... Today, that God of the storm is still teaching. He's still showing. He's still 
preaching and proving he is still letting us know him in his word and then letting us go through the storm so that we can see the evidence of his greatness the disciples are just starting to let it dawn on them have we learned who he really is have we really learned who he really is? Do we really trust him in the depths of our storm? Because if we trust in anything besides him, trust in your experience, trust in your knowledge, trust in your abilities, trust in somebody around you, trust in an institution, if you trust in anything besides him, you're going to be let down. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Yeah, he is the God of the storm. Do you know him? Do you know him? Have you seen him? I wanted to make sure you had the opportunity to, to get as equipped on this as possible so that you can know him, so that you can experience that peace in the storm because there is another storm coming. Right now, you might be between storms. Right now, you might be in the middle of one. When you're between storms, you're hoping there's not going to be another one, but there's always another storm. And I want you to be as equipped and ready for the next storm. So if you look on your note sheets, do you have your note sheets? Can I borrow someone's note sheet? Hey, can I borrow your note sheet real quick? Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Thank you, Shannon. My back hurts, so leaning over is tough. <laughs> so on the bottom of your note sheet, you'll see there's three little QR codes. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, I, I always just try to give you as many resources as I possibly can so that you can be equipped to know him. So you'll see him right here. Uh, the first one on your left is, the, is a link to the No God Crash Course. I just decided this week that it's been a long time since I've done this course. It's just a short, four-week-long crash course on knowing who God is. Haven't done it in about a year and a half, and I thought I would do it again on Sunday night starting not next week but I think it's the following week I'm not sure it's either next week or the following week the schedule's in there I forget when it is but it'll be on Sunday nights and I'd love for you to come uh, it's about a 90 minute class each of the four times and it'll be over soon uh, but I'd love for you to, to come RSVP at that link there's details about it there the next one is about Susan Farnham's deeper systematic theology class so mine's like a 101 level overview Hers is a deep, deep, deep dive. And so she's going to be doing a class on making sense of the Bible. And it's a class about what even is the Bible? How do we know it's reliable? How did it come to be in the first place? And what is the message that God wants to communicate to me through God's word? So her class is a little bit deeper, but it's excellent. It's excellent. How long is that class, Susan? Six weeks, seven weeks? Seven weeks. And they use an excellent book. I ordered the books already. The books are 10 bucks, um, but they're, they're good. So when you go on that link, you'll be able to get your book, and um, you'll be able to be in her class. Schedule is there also. And then the last link, the one on the right, is a message series that I did last year during our stand uh, year, and it's a series called Think Like Jesus. I really love that series. Um, it, it really kind of, we really kind of spend time going into the word and doing our best to open the mind of Christ through the word of God and see how he thinks. Because man, I sure could use some Jesus brain patterns in my life. And so this is a great series for you. Now, I want to give you a little secret. When you use your phone to scan the QR code, there's three, and your phone might be confused. 
So here's a helpful tip. When you're scanning, you want to scan, let's just say you want to scan mine on the left. Helpful tip, just move your thumb right over the other two. High tech, I know. Let's scan that one or the other one, you know, however you want to do it. Good, I'll, I'll, I'll give this back to you later, Shanna. Uh, so, yeah, I just want you to be equipped to know him, to know him. Um, because I want, I believe, uh, that he is the only one that will be able to speak peace into your worst storm. Last blank on your page, have I seen who he really is? Have I seen who he really is? Am I like those disciples who are starting to really get it? Let's know him so that we can walk in peace. Mm-hmm.